the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Uh, as we head into Hour 3, your hour, Open Lines Friday. We can have some fun. We can have some seriousness. We can do it all. 602-508-0960. Anything you want to talk about, happy to do. Advice, anything. But... Um, a couple issues on my mind. By the way, this audio came to me. I sometimes you have to take take a step back and ask yourself, um, wait, what are the credentials of the person I'm listening to? Why why do I think so and so's voice is important? What education do they have in this? What experience do they have in this? What study or effort have they put into this? Um, how intelligent are they? Am I listening to the rantings of a lunatic? These are the questions we should be asking when we tend to take seriously certain cultural avatars. So now the great instructor on morality and race or policing and race is no longer Colin Kaepernick, evidently. The, um, the mantle, the endowed chair has gone to LeBron James. And it turns out this guy is a raving idiot. I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't expect it. I didn't know it. Listen to this. So he's um, – as he's taking up this mantle and uh, trying to defend himself for targeting a – putting in the crosshairs a policeman in a shooting that saved a young girl's life. As he's trying to defend his putting that policeman in the crosshairs and continually talking of our um, – Race society, one learns where he learns it from. Where did he learn this from? Well, he's been reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. And a reporter caught up with him and asked him what he liked and thought about the book. I think a fifth grader could turn in a better report. Listen to this. Uh, Taylor, you want to follow up? Yeah. Um, so you're holding the autobiography of Malcolm X along with Alex Haley. I don't know how far you are into the book, but what's your biggest takeaway so far? Um, I kind of just started a couple of days ago, um, but um, I've read and a lot of a lot of notes over the years. Um, it's my first time actually reading this from start to finish. Um, but just a very, um, very smart man. <laughs> very, very, very smart man. Very, very, very smart. And basically. Um, his words in the in the sixties and uh, and what was going on is actually what's going on today still. Him understanding the um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. He used that word a lot. How powerful we are, um, but we have to unite and uh, we have to be together. We have to stand strong because there's always going to be obstacles. There's always going to be um, you know, things that's going to be thrown at us where they try to weaken us. Um, they try to fill up, make us feel like we're not kings and queens. Um, and it's going to come from all, you know, 
different races and different shapes and sizes and things. That Basically, what you would tell a kindergartner about his life. And, uh, just a very powerful-minded uh, gentleman, and uh, and it's it's unbelievable to to kind of read something that's coming directly from him. Um, it's unbelievable to read something directly from Malcolm. Just hate. Uh, wish I had an opportunity to meet him. Obviously, we know what, what, what the situation that happened along. Not only him, but Dr. Martin Luther King, some of the greats that's ever walked this uh, face of the earth, not only just here in America, but in uh, this face of the earth. So uh, it's a pretty pretty interesting book. Pretty interesting book. He and Martin Luther King and the other greats that walked America. You know Martin Luther King and Malcolm X didn't like each other, right? There's but one time they ever even encountered one another physically and spent a lot of ink more on Malcolm X than Martin Luther King denouncing each other. Malcolm X uh, had nothing but contempt for King's work, quite honestly, and uh, spoke very stridently against it. So which one is the great one, LeBron? Well, obviously, Malcolm X, the separatist, and obviously how much similar things are today as they were in um, 1965. Of course, they're the same as they were then. Um, uh, Pre-Voting Rights Act, of course, Jim Crow South. Of course, they're the same today. Of course, never mind. Um, never mind the um, the uh, dual pre- twice twice elected president of uh, 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 to America, an African American. Nothing's changed since 1965, really. <laughs> anyway, why do we put so much attention on and it give so so much emphasis to someone like LeBron James? We've always done this. We've, in in a certain sense, we've all we've always taken the words of celebrities as important because you want to line them up with your side if they match your side. It's a natural tendency. It's just that when you think about the celebrities who did this by standing up for Martin Luther King and with him in the '60s, it's a different caliber. It's a different caliber. People of 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 you know great learning, uh, p- people of great accomplishment, um, people, people who, could, who could read the page of a book and string a sentence together, and people who didn't insult their audience. Um, that's, that's just not what you're getting from the celebrities today. That's just it's, – it's a different thing. And so I wonder why we do pay attention to them. They're of a, a much lesser caliber than the uh, – celebrities of yesteryear uh, they just are why why do we why do we pay attention to them because there's still something about a professional athlete and one who is as good as lebron james is he is a good basketball player one of the greats top 5 bill possibly not ever but hmm? now sure okay give me your ever list Oh, Will Chamberlain, of course. Michael Jordan. Yeah. Bird and Magic in yeah. the same era. Yeah. Eh, maybe Kareem. Bill Russell, if you want winning. You think you think Kareem's as good as Le- LeBron at his best? I don't know. Different positions, yeah. different games. Yeah. What about Larry Bird? For sure. I would sure take Larry yeah. Bird. Yeah. Um, but this division is, is where we are. I, I was reading to you about a school district that thought it appropriate to have one line for whites and one line for blacks. 
one phone line for whites and one phone line for blacks, to discuss, of all things, race issues. Now, I don't know how many things are wrong with this notion. I don't know if it's wrong that we're dividing people um, by, by race to discuss race. I don't know if it's wrong to have a racial discussion that excludes other races. I don't know how you get the perspective of one side from the other if race determines your thinking in the first place. Uh, there is so much wrong with it. Never mind in the air these invocations of Jim Crow 2.0 or Jim Crow on steroids. That's this. That's why I said now do water fountains. One phone call for white parents, one phone call, one phone line, Zoom line for black parents or, black, or parents of color. By the way, that, that's, another, that's another sledgehammer to the fabric of America, to, 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 the, to, the, to, the, to the mosaic of America that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Whites and persons of color get two different lines. So the persons of color, I expect, includes African Americans as well as Hispanic Americans as well as Native Americans as well as Pacific Islanders. That's their line because they all have so much in common. I guarantee you, guarantee you that I have more in common than with Larry Elder than I would with probably 90% of the whites on the white line Zoom call. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. And I guarantee you that there are people on the second line, on the communities of color line, persons of color line, that have none of the shared same experience. And it's so weird that they chop us up that way. Whites, people of color. Whites versus the other basket of African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Native Americans, Pacific Islanders. Because do you know what that means to make that split? Do you know what that division itself implies? That division in itself implies that there are really, really two races, white and non-white. And one is bad and the other is good. Why do I say one is bad and the other is good? Because all the others can be in the same group to play together, though they have nothing in common except potential antagonism towards the whites. That's the only thing they have in common is they're not white. That's the one thing, the only thing they have in common. Yes, now do water fountains. And when you're done with water fountains... Do luncheonettes. And when you're done with luncheonettes, do restaurants. And when you're done with restaurants, do schools. We can reverse everything here. We can do it. We're on that road. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Just love that song. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Did you know foam roofs here in the Valley are a great option for many, many homes? That's where my friends at Trades Unlimited come in. Not only do foam roofs help insulate from our extreme Arizona heat, but they also help insulate your home from exterior noise. And most importantly, they protect your house from water leaks. I've had the opportunity to go down and meet the folks at Trades Unlimited at their office and warehouse. God, what a great team. I can tell you I was just hugely impressed. The quality of the people they hire and the job that they do. Trades Unlimited has been around 
for 26 years and has an A-plus rating, the BBB, and I can tell you why. Good people who do a great job. Just good people you're going to like because they measure twice and cut once. Most of their business is by referral or previous customers, and that always tells me a lot because people are happy and want to tell others about their great experience, and we're delighted to be able to help spread that word of mouth too. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. Hot summer sun, it's perfect for foam recoats. Protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends over at Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775. That's 480-483-1775. Or find them them online at tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Just so, I, I, you know, you say some of this tongue-in-cheek, sadly, though, you're going to have a Zoom line call for blacks and a Zoom, excuse me, a Zoom line call for whites and a Zoom line call for persons of color. I said do water fountains, do schools, do all kinds of things. And you can go back to 1965. And as soon as I said that, I was reminded of a story someone sent me this morning from the Washington Examiner. At least one vaccination site in Washington state is only allowing people of color to sign up for vaccine appointments while white people are put on standby lists. Quote, prioritization is designed to address current inequities and barriers to accessing vaccine and get the people who are at the highest risk vaccinated first while federal vaccine supply remains limited, close quote, according to the Washington Department of Health. The African-American Reach and Teach Health Ministry is a vaccine provider that allows users to sign up for the shot through a digital scheduler. People who use the site for appointments at the Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center are prompted to answer whether they are a person of color or white. Minority users can sign up for the appointment if there's an available slot. White users are placed on a standby list. I could keep going in this article, but it should be sickening enough at this point. I think it is. I think it's sickening. I think it's totally sickening. How do you talk about healing divides in this country while you are literally creating more and more divide? Literally creating more and more divide. How can you talk about not for white America, not for black America, not for red America, not for blue America, when literally everything you do is to divide us along those lines? How can you talk about understanding each other's perspectives if you divide people along the lines where their life experience and perspective might be instructive? to someone who's not. Is the entire project from 1945 to 1995 of integration over? Is that just over? Are we done with trying to think that Brown versus Board of Education was a good idea? Are we done trying to think that Plessy versus, versus Ferguson was a bad idea? Really? I, I am I am I am fascinated by this point that came up this week that we were so less racialized 
15 years ago. And in that discussion with Pete Peterson last hour, it seems to me we stumbled on the reason or a big part of the reason as to why. We are not a country that has a homogenous ethnicity or race or religion to it like so many other countries. We had something else that required agreement among us, that gave agreement among us. And that was our mores based on values and agreed-upon philosophy, roughly speaking, what we call Western civilization. Lincoln spoke to this when he spoke on the 4th of July to immigrants saying, we understand that you're not related to the founders. You're not descended from the blood of the blood of the ancestors. But you can find connections that were as strong by blood when you, quote, go back into that glorious epic so that you can feel that you are a part of us when you look through that old Declaration of Independence and find that those old men said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And then, then, feel, then you can feel that the moral sentiment taught in that day evidences your relationship to those men. Because that is the father of all moral principle. All men are created equal. And you have a right to claim it as though you were blood of the blood and flesh of the flesh of the men who wrote the declaration. That is the electric cord in that declaration that links the hearts of patriotic and liberty-loving men together, that will link those patriotic hearts as long as the love of freedom exists in the minds of men throughout the world. Those were our mores. That's what immigrants alike with native-born could share. That's what... Catholics, Protestants, Christians, Jews, Muslims, you name it, could all agree on. The principles handed down by Western civilization, free speech, free thought, freedom of religion, justice, security. And when we started shouting, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go in the 1980s, some 30 plus years ago, and Western civilization went, so too did our understanding of all these issues that drive us apart right now. Race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, these issues that now embroil us when they were hardly even much spoken of 15, 20, 30 years ago. But do you know why? Because Western civilization, I think I'm right about this, as I said to Pete, I think I'm right. It taught us how to think about issues of race, for example. And what did it teach us to think about them? Not to think about them, that they were meaningless. But that wholesale philosophy of liberal, natural right, natural law, and personhood, that whole appreciation of it that we get from Western civilization, that we get from Athens and Jerusalem, that we get from the Bible and from the philosophers of Greece. That whole philosophy is gone, and so too is our calm about issues of race. You got rid of the wholesale supply, and now you have a huge retail problem.
Let me tell you about my friend Solar Sandy. She brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. Big difference between Solar Sandy and the other solar companies beyond the integrity is that she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important when going solar, you do it the right way, and Solar Sandy is the right way. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back in your pocket. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill, and for the first 12 – any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months. And for the first 50 families that sign up with her, they will receive a $1,000 signing bonus. No solar panel payment, no power bill for 12 months, and a $1,000 bonus signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. Again, that's AskSolarSandy.com. And tell her Seth sent you. Crunching all this together that what we've been talking about in this re-racialization of America, Michael Barone has it just about perfectly. He says, how will future historians explain this? From 2001 to 2014, majorities of Americans, including supermajorities of blacks and non-Hispanic whites, told Gallup that race relations were either very or somewhat good. Then after the election and re-election of the first American president of African descent, each case with majorities of the popular vote and electoral votes, perceptions suddenly plunged. Only around 50% of whites rated race relations as good in 2015, 2019, and 2020. And the percentage of blacks taking that view fell to 51% in 2015 before Donald Trump's election as president to 40% in 2019 and 36% in 2020. The short explanation is that August 2014 saw the emergence of the Black Lives Matter movement amid protests about the police killings, killing in Ferguson, Missouri, of an 18-year-old black who had just robbed a convenience store and attempted to seize a policeman's gun. And May 2020 saw 46-year-old George Floyd die. Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. May 2020 saw 46-year-old George Floyd die while being restrained by then-officer Derek Chauvin after he was arrested on suspicion of distributing counterfeit money in Minneapolis. This week, a jury convicted Chauvin of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and second-degree manslaughter. How common are such deaths? The Washington Post database reports 3,630 people have been shot and killed by police since 2015. 3,500 of them men. 1,600 of the men white, 900 of them black. It's a higher share of blacks than in the general population, but a lower percentage of blacks who have contact than who have contact with police. An unhappy fact of life in America is that blacks are about seven to eight times more likely than whites to commit violent crimes. Floyd's death generated enormous publicity and a sizable increase in support for the Black Lives Matter movement among whites as well as blacks. 
That support was accompanied by widespread misperceptions of the magnitude of police shootings of blacks. As political, science, as political scientist Eric Kaufman points out, eight in ten African Americans believe black men are more likely to be killed by police than die in an auto accident. Actually, thousands of black men die in auto accidents every year, while fewer than 300 a year are killed by police. Similar questions showed that similarly wide divergences from reality are apparent on other racially charged questions, and indeed ordinary people often have enormous misperceptions of many statistical relationships. I'll come back to more of what Michael Barone said but think about when you are taught fear what you believe fear to be. Think about what Bill Maher said. Forty percent of Democrats, 40 percent of Democrats think your, chance, your chances of being hospitalized if you get COVID are above 50 percent, off by about 49 percent. When you live in fear, you think fear. But you only live in fear because people teach you to think fear. It's not a natural condition of life for the main reason that it's not reality. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Michael Barone is uh, giving us some harsh facts here on the state of public perception and race and policing. He writes that, as Coleman Hughes has argued, the public perception of bigotry has surpassed the reality to such an extent it is turned into a moral panic. Critical race theory and intersectionality are to blame for the misperception that bigotry is everywhere, even as the data tell a different story. Racism exists, but there has never been less racism than there is now. That's not the message sent by President Joe Biden when he decried systemic racism while rooting for Chauvin's conviction and called the new voting law in Georgia Jim Crow on steroids. Those views may be as politically problematic as Senior Representative Maxine Waters' unmistakable call to have more violent riots if Chauvin wasn't convicted. By 46 percent to 37 percent, whites now oppose Black Lives Matter, and a similar number in a national poll support the Georgia election law. 46 to 37 Central cities, starting with Minneapolis, proceeded to defund the police only to see murder rates zoom upwards and many black lives end. The 50 largest cities cut their 2021 police budgets by 5 percent, but a USA Today poll found only 18 percent nationally favored defunding the police. How do you like that? National polls, by the way, may be understating opposition. Amy Walter at the Cook Report says that Republican voters may be especially unwilling to be polled. In a retrospective study of 2020 by five 
top Democratic pollsters reached a similar conclusion. As Roy Tuxiera points out, Americans' belief that discrimination and racism are bad but they are not the cause of all disparities in American society is clearly at odds with causes and views embraced by Democratic activists. The ebbing of their view that America, which can elect and re-elect Barack Obama, is just as racist as ever and maybe more so, may be coinciding with or caused by the emergence from lockdown made possible by America's vaccination success, just as the spread of the BLM view after the death of George Floyd coincided with or was caused by lockdown fatigue. All of this is a sense that it's time to emerge into something we used to call reality. That's very nicely put, very nicely put. Speaking of reality, I mentioned earlier that Joe Biden has now unveiled his Green New Plan goals, and uh, it's going to take a pretty big toll from Americans uh, if, we're going to, um, if we're going to get there. Uh, let me read to you, if I might, from the Daily Mail. President Joe Biden's ambitious plan to slash greenhouse emissions by 50 to 52 percent over the next decade will prompt sweeping changes that affect how Americans eat, drive, and heat their homes. Biden announced the goal to cut emissions by 2030, compared with 2005 levels, at the start of a two-day climate summit on Thursday. This was the summit where he was the only one to wear a mask. Okay, you want to know what it's going to cost? The plan immediately sparked criticism from Republicans and industry experts who argue the plan is not sustainable in the long run and will put jobs at risk and cause tax hikes for too many Americans. Red meat, start there. Okay? 90% of your red meat will be cut out of your diet. You have to cut out 90% of red meat from your diet and would be allowed to only eat four pounds of red meat a year. Four pounds a year. Uh, you would be required to drive an electric car. Electric cars start at $55,000. Heating your home, it would cost at least $5,500 to install new heat pumps. This is just the beginning of the costs that will be foisted on you to save the environment, which brings me to our friends at Issues and Insights. John Kerry said this month that we've reached the, quote, last best opportunity we have to get real and serious about global warming, close quote. What's the difference between him and a loon walking down Manhattan's Fifth Avenue wearing one of those sandwich boards proclaiming the end of the world is nigh? We're having a hard time finding any. Kerry, the Biden administration's envoy for climate, is part of a chorus of fear-mongering that goes back more than three decades. In 1989, the United Nations gave us 10 years to save the world. Guest blogger Eric Worrell from the science site What's Up With That went on to list more than a dozen last chances to stop global warning. If we do not heed this last chance, I'm sure there will be another last chance in the near future 
just like all the previous last chances, he said. Dire, way-off base predictions have been the hallmark of radical environmentalism for at least 50 years. Ronald Bailey took a look back in 2020 at the first Earth Day and the forecasters who got the future wrong. He notes that the world did not have to have the planet's population or stop economic growth completely to prevent the imminent ecological cataclysm that was predicted, nor have we run out of natural resources, been forced to shut down automobile travel, ban luxury items, and wear gas masks in urban areas due to air pollution, though that was predicted. Despite the unbroken string of erroneous predictions, we still get nonsense from places like the United Nations that say, quote, time is fast running out, close quote, to keep global warming at bay and drivel from the U.N. Secretary General who insists we're on the verge of the abyss. We're not, folks. We're just not. And why we would pay attention to those who have been wrong time and time again is the definition of insanity. Welcome back. I don't know if there's a word for this. <coughs> Reverse precursion or something maybe. Excuse me. But I was quoting Ronald Reagan in my monologue on um, – the kind of belief system we used to have in this country when it came to matters of life and death and risk and what we would live for and what we would die for. And uh, if that at all is enticing to you, feel free to go back and get my monologue. You can get them all at YouTube, youtube.com. Just type in 960 The Patriot in the search window. Hit subscribe. It's all free. And I was quoting Ronald Reagan from his famous – what was then known as his famous Evil Empire speech – to the National Association of Evangelicals. It was probably one of his most condemned speeches by the media. But here is that part I quoted in my monologue. Some of you said, let's hear the old man. Let's hear the old man. Yes, indeed, let's hear the old man. And in the recent days, we've heard representatives in the higher echelons of government ask us, well, are you afraid of your own government? Well, to tell you the truth, I am. And all of us should be. And I speak not in a partisan sense of an administration or individuals. I'm talking of the institution of government. Wasn't this the admonition of the founding fathers that government tends to grow, to take on power until freedom eventually is lost? The fact is, and we can't escape it, only government is capable of tyranny. Now, I realize this is a controversial subject, particularly as we approach an election year. But then if you didn't take up things that were controversial, you'd never talk at all. There was a man knocked on a door. There you one. go. There you go. Yes, it's okay to talk about tyranny and warn against it for if we don't, who will? And it is only government from where tyranny can come. Thank you, Ronald Reagan. Thank you, sir. Thank you all. Until next week. God bless you. Class dismissed. <laughs>